0: Welcome to a new episode of the Upper Room Church Podcast. Let's join Pastor Johnson as he shares another life-changing message. Thank you, uh, Brother Boyd, for that. For prayer, and Brother Parker for uh, the scripture reading. Well, on today, my brothers and my sisters, we are gonna get right into the word of the Lord. God bless all of you, uh, wonderful people. Amen. Just tuning in, listen to us. I pray and hope that uh, something that I say would inspire you, amen, and uh, encourage you to to love the Lord even more. You got your Bible. I want to go to uh, my first scripture will be this book of Saint Luke, Saint Luke, the first chapter. Beginning at verse 1 I'm going to begin reading We'll read down, am going to do just a little reading this morning If the Lord allow us to go that way uh, The first chapter of St. Luke verse 1 We're going to read down to verse uh, 17 Which is uh, somewhat of a, a, a little history or story Of uh, Zechariah, Elizabeth and John the Baptist And what God was doing in their lives And if I could use for a subject matter uh, something that our world needs so so desperately today. Something that uh, is not mentioned very much in, in churches today as I begin to study this topic and meditate on what I was going to uh, talk about on today. And that is uh, repentance. Call to repentance. Uh, the call to repentance that all throughout the Bible... The Old Testament and New Testament, I I read different topics and at the head of my Bible, it's a call to repentance where the people have gotten into error. They've gotten into uh, sinful activities and the prophet will come out and call the people. He he, he make the call, say, uh, uh, we need to turn back to God. And 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 this morning, I want to talk to you just a little bit. And I'm going to show you even Jesus made the call to repentance Uh, throughout many, many different times. He made the call for repentance. When I look at our world today in a state that is in, there needs to be a call to repentance. What I mean is so much is going on. Here and there, wars over here, wars over there, war about to break out over here, war about to break out over there. Uh, you miss one, you know, thing about roots, roots run deep, you know, when you, when you, you. you you have to be really, very, very careful when you're dealing with people because when you mess with somebody, you don't know you don't know who that person is and who that person is related to, who that person is friend to, uh, uh, who, who 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 care about that individual. So roots do run deep. If we look at our trouble trouble world today, we find out that our our our, our sisters and brothers over there in Israel have been attacked by a terrorist group. Uh, I think the name is, if said right, Hamas. Uh, I try to practice on it all day. How in the world can I remember Hamas Sunday morning when I get up there? So I, uh, I, I got my own method in, in, uh, of teaching myself how to remember stuff. So I said, Ha, just like Ha, Ha, and then Mars, rhyming with my name, Thomas. Hamas. So I did practice all How am I gonna to remember to say Hamas Sunday morning? <laughs> so I have my way of remembering things. But anyway, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, <coughs> anyway, uh we have to pray for our brothers and sisters <coughs> that the Lord would just give us peace <coughs> in these last and evil days. Because truly, we really need peace. I talked a little bit about peace on Wednesday night, those of you that remember. And our world, our nation, right now, really, we're not experiencing uh peace. And so we have to pray that the Lord will bless us to um uh, uh, experience the peace that he talks about in uh, the rest uh in the way that he talks about. <laughs> So, if you will allow me, just look at the word of the Lord in St. Luke, the first chapter. Uh, verse number one says, uh, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of the old thing which are uh, uh, most surely believed among us. So, here the writer here, St. Luke, is addressing uh, this honorable man. We find out that we get down further into our text. He said, uh, I'm writing... Fourth, in order to declare uh, uh, those things which are most surely believed among us. You know, th- there are some things that, that that we really believe in, and it's good to know what those things are. So, Luke said, I'm writing to let you know about, to assure you about uh, Theopolis, the thing that you were taught, the thing that that's really assured among us. It's good to know uh your church teaching, your church beliefs, your church doctrine, religious teaching, religious doctrine. It's good to know that. and so Luke was uh trying to certify to Theopolis the things that he was taught that they are true. y'all follow me? And so here he said, uh, I'm writing. And I'm talking about those things that were set forth in declaration, those things which I most surely believe among us. Uh, verse 2 said, even as they were delivered unto us, uh, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and minister of the word. So what Luke is saying uh, to Theopolis here, he said, we... Uh, were eyewitnesses of what we're teaching you and what you was taught and we was ministering of the word and verse 3 said it seems good to me also having had perfect understanding I, I, I like the way Luke uh, 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 style that he said seemed good to me also having perfect understanding of all things from the very first from the beginning. I had a good understanding. You know, everybody don't have a good understanding. If you don't have a good understanding of what, or or about the thing that you are dealing with, how can you uh, convey those things or teach other people those things uh, about it? So Luke is telling Theopolis, he said, I have a perfect understanding. Somebody said perfect. Perfect Perfect just means complete. A complete understanding, a very good understanding uh, of those things. Uh, uh, from the very first. Of course, there are some things that can be called into question, but Luke said, I got a perfect understanding of it. So, what I'm telling you is true. To, to write unto you, I'm writing to you in order, most excellent Theopolis. This guy, Theopolis, was a uh, a Roman officer, very, very educated in, in the military. In fact, he was governor. High-ranking official, and Luke was writing him saying, now, what you was taught, and of course, he was a a Christian. He was converted to be a Christian. And Luke is telling him the thing that you were taught, most excellent Theopolis. Uh, These things, I want you to understand that I have a perfect understanding of what we're talking about. And in verse number four, he goes on and said, and I understand what I'm talking about, and that thou might know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. So the way you was taught is definitely true, because I have a perfect understanding of what we taught you and what you was taught. So there can be no uh, uh, uncertain." Uh, about any of the matters Some people are uncertain about some things I, I Many things when I first got saved and came into church There was a lot of things that I was really uncertain about Just wasn't sure of Didn't quite understand it But I went along with it You know and, uh, and later on as I grew and read and studied And followed the church's teaching I understood those things And the reason why I was told those things for instance, just to give you instance, just throw something out there. When I first got saved years ago on a late Bishop Lanier, uh being out there in the world, uh I used to wear afro. Can y'all imagine me with afro? Yeah. So that was the style. Long hair, and you just get my hair braided to get it plaited. Uh on a weekend. And when you take it down, money when you go to school, it puff out, man. it be real puffed out there. Oh nobody, he probably won one too. Well, I don't think we can wear our now because it don't, it don't grow like it used to. But when I got to church, the preachers taught all the men, you, you need to get a haircut. It's wrong for men to wear long hair. There should be a distinction in the men, in the Bible, that men should look different than ladies. It was it was an honorable thing and a, and a blessed thing. The Bible said the, the glory for a woman to have long hair is her glory. But for, for a man to have long hair, it was shameful. So we were taught that men shouldn't wear long hair, but women should. Women shouldn't get their hair cut. But now that's different now, day and time, because women wear they they wear the, they cut all the hair off now, but that's a that's a different story. But I'm just showing you the point that I'm trying to make. So when I first got saved, some things that I was taught, I wasn't sure of them. And I didn't quite understand them, but I went along with it. And as I studied my word, God gave me understanding later about the matter. Mm-hmm. Men shouldn't go around with hair long, long hair, uh, long like women's. They shouldn't do that. Well, you see men's now, you see men have the bun on top of their head. Sometimes you look at them from the back, you can't tell it was a woman or a man. I saw a picture of a lady and a man. They were walking, they were walking going in the store, and I couldn't tell which one was what. I couldn't tell the woman from the man. His hair was longer than hers, and he had the bun on top of his head. And so, uh, uh, but, you know, there's, there must be a distinction. So what Luke is saying to uh, Theopolis, I, I want you to know that the things that you were taught, even though you are elected official, and and very very educated, I'm assuring you that the thing you taught, I uh, uh, have had perfect understanding from the beginning. And then he went on to say he was eyewitness. Did y'all see that part? Did I miss that? Uh, verse number number three. It seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first to write unto thee, O Theopilot. Uh, uh, most uh that thou might know certainty certainty of those things which thou was instructed oh verse 2 was what I was looking for even as they delivered them unto you which from the beginning were eyewitnesses see it's, you can't be the eyewitness Lord know I wish I had an eyewitness on yesterday because they, they could tell also what happened but but we didn't have an eyewitness so you can't be the eyewitness. And so uh, Luke is telling Theopolis, we were eyewitnesses of the word and the teaching that Jesus taught. And what we're telling you, we know what we're talking about because we were actually there. We witnessed it. We saw it. We heard it with our own ears. And we saw it with our own eyes, the teaching, the things that Jesus gave us. So, Theopolis, you can rest assured what we're telling you is accurate. It's accurate. It's true. Y'all follow that? Now look at verse number five. Verse 5 says, uh, talk about John. Now, there there was in the days of Herod, the uh, the king of Judea, a certain priest uh, named Zacharias Mm -hmm. of the course of Abeth, and his wife was of the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we have Zacharias, and then we have his wife named what? Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Verse 6 says, and they were both uh, righteous before God. Walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. These were some good Christian folks. They were some good children of God. Zachariah and wife Elizabeth. They were really living a good life. Which we are compelled to do. Verse number seven says. And they had no child. uh, Because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in age. Doesn't this remind you of a story that we know before in the Old Testament somewhere? Abraham and Sarah. So here, uh, 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 Zechariah and wife Elizabeth, uh, good, good godly people, lived a good life. But it said they was, uh, didn't have any children didn't have any children. She had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they both were well stricken in age and it came to pass while uh, he uh, executed the priest's office before God in in the order of his house. Verse 9, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Now, just a little bit about Zachariah and his wife that I learned in my research here Zachariah was a high priest of where he went into the temple. It was a custom to go in and they burn incense to, to make sure that the church had a good smell when it went in. So his job would go in and light the incense here, there, all over the sanctuary. When people came in, they smelled this sweet smell. You know, uh, uh pe- people don't burn incense like they used to now. Some incense actually stinks but you, if you can get some good one, maybe the cinnamon or, or different ones, some of them do have a good smell, and it can it can eliminate the odor in the room in your house. But you know, uh, when I came in in in, in the knowledge of, of burning incense. Back in the days, most people were burning incense that I can relate to. They were burning incense to kill the dope smell in the house. <laughs> you know, follow what I'm saying? Smoke <laughs> Smoking so much dope and so much marijuana, they were burning incense. Maybe you won't smell But, you know, that that you you, you can't cover that stuff up. It, it, it has a way of just bleeding through, right? Amen, somebody. You, you can tell something going on. What is that smell? You can't cover up that stench. And so that's when I learned more about the incense burning back in the days when people were using to cover up the stench of uh, smoking marijuana. But it, uh, uh, Zachariah's job was to light the incense in the sanctuary that it would have a, 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 a sweet aroma in the sanctuary. That was his job as high priest. But notice he said that uh, uh, Elizabeth, they didn't have a child. Elizabeth was barren. Now, Elizabeth... And Zachariah, they really, really wanted a child. Of course, every couple do. Most couple do. I only met just a few people that didn't want children. I I met two families in my life that said they didn't really want children. Their husband and wife, only two. I'm sure there's other, but I'm talking about me personally. I only met two families that really didn't want children. And y'all can identify with this this person right here. Well, as a fact, he was a member of this church for a long time. Brother James, he gone home be with the Lord. He and his wife. Uh, was married for years and uh, they never had children. And I asked Brother James, You all have children? No, I don't have no children. He, he, he told me he didn't want none, he didn't want any. He didn't want his wife's name was Ruth, uh, 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 and uh, uh, he, he didn't want any, and uh, uh, apparently, uh, she didn't want any, so they lived together for years, didn't have not one. I said, Man, you don't have not, not one, or uh, a uh, son, or uh, daughter, or uh, uh, nothing. No. I want no children. That's just the way they felt about it. So, that's that's one family I met that didn't want no children. I said, Well, you should own this one. I always want me a little boy running around somewhere, a little daughter somewhere running around, but that I can say, oh, this, this is my child, or this is the way I felt, you know. But anyway, everybody don't feel that way. Somebody feel like I don't want no responsibility. I don't want to bring a child. The other person I met that didn't have a child was one of my co a great great friend of mine, Mister Jerry Harold. I he I, he, I don't know if he gonna be with the Lord or not, but he was a great friend to me. He and his wife, uh, Caucasian couple, and, and and it was through them. When we first started out with our church, I didn't know how to get a tax exempt number for our church. Everybody I called, preachers, everybody. I said, man, how do you get tax exempt number for your church? Well, uh, uh, they had one, but they couldn't tell me how to get it. And so I know we needed tax exempt. So if I buy things at the store for the church, they won't charge a church taxes. We just pay for it, but not the taxes. It's something that the government gives to the church. So I want to be tax exempt. But none of my colleagues could tell me how to apply for this tax exempt number. So my friend, Mr. Jerry, he told, I talked to him about it. He said, my wife is a... Uh, um, uh, uh, um, Something worked downtown in the, in the federal government, uh, certified CPA or something something of that nature. But he said, Thomas, she can help you get tax exempt. I said, she can. She told me the information to, to bring her, the name of the church, the address. I gave her all the information. And these people, no re, no relation to me. She filed all the paperwork. And, and, and lo and behold, within, within somebody told me, oh, man, take a long time to get there. Within three weeks. I got a letter from, and it didn't. they said, well, you got it right in Nashville. That's a place right here in Memphis you can get it. And so within weeks, I got a letter in the mail letting us know that going forward, we're tax exempt. And so I said all that. But anyway, to say that, to say this it's about Mr. Jerry and his wife, they were old, and they didn't have any children. And he told me, he said, "Tommy, I don't want to bring no children into this world. So I only met two families in my life that didn't have children that didn't want them, didn't have them, and didn't want them, and there was him. And anyway, so going back to uh, uh, Zachariah and uh, Elizabeth, they didn't have any children, but they wanted children. Now during this time. Uh, not to have children. The reason why they want you. It, it was frowned upon. It was looked down upon for a, a husband and a wife not to have children. It was it, not to have you being a wife and you being a husband didn't have children. It was like God cursed you. Not to have children looked down upon God wasn't favorable towards you. It was like a curse. God is not pleased with you. He's not happy with you. Y'all don't even bless the fruit of your womb. Y'all don't have children. And it was like, it was a shameful thing. They didn't have children. So Zechariah and Elizabeth wanted children. Y'all follow where I'm going? Now, let's go on. We're talking about Zechariah and Elizabeth. But here we see the Lord eventually broke that cycle, broke that curse where where God didn't curse him, but but that was the thinking. Y'all follow what I'm saying? In that time, that was the thinking. They weren't cursed by God because they didn't have shit. But that was a thinking. And so Elizabeth and, and, and Zechariah, they didn't want that thinking, that thought. What's, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with her? Uh, there was that thinking. And so God getting ready to bless them so that thinking can go away. Now, verse number 10, and the whole multitude of the people were, were praying without at the time of incense. When he went in to light the incense, verse 11 said, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zechariah saw this angel, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Verse 13, and the angel said unto him, fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayers is heard. What do you mean my prayers are heard? You all been praying for a child for quite some time, right? Yes and, and and you and your wife y'all been praying for a child for quite some time. He said, "Fear not, your prayers have been heard and and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son, and thou shalt call his name John, and therefore we got now John the Baptist on his way so that 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 that, that stigma that that talk that uh, 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 you know looking down on you all as a couple, not having a child pe- that's going to go away. People can no longer say, y'all must be cursed. God, in favor, your marriage didn't give you a seed, didn't give you a son, didn't give you a daughter. And so that stigma, that's going to go away now. So he said, fear not, John. I heard your prayer. Y'all, they've been praying for it for some time. Now notice what he said as it goes on. Uh, and, and, and notice verse 15 13 says, and the angel said unto him, Fear not Zachariah, for thy prayers is heard. Thy wife Elizabeth shall bear a son. And, and I want you to call his name John. Now, now, now uh uh Zachariah didn't get the opportunity to name his boy. Most most men would love the opportunity to name their firstborn Junior or something. Uh, back in the family, I'm gonna name you after Uncle. Uncle James, oh, boy, I'm going to name you after somebody. So John the Baptist didn't get that opportunity to name the son uh, that the Lord actually blessed him and Elizabeth to have. And there was another couple in the Bible, too, you know about know that, that they weren't given the opportunity to name their son, and that was Jesus. You know, when, when, when Mary and Joseph, when they was married, uh, and the Lord blessed them to have a child, they weren't given the opportunity to name Jesus. See, sometimes God, the, the, the plan for our lives and the plan for our children's lives is ordained and orchestrated by God. Or you're just going to be the vessel in which God bring the blessing through. Am I making sense to anybody? I, I just thank God to be the blessing that God used to bring the blessing through. I may not get the opportunity to name this child, but, 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 but he's coming through my, through my way. And so John didn't get the opportunity, to, I mean, Elizabeth and John, uh, Zachariah didn't get the opportunity to name John. And Mary and Joseph didn't get the opportunity to name Jesus because they may have named him after them. Mm-hmm. The Lord said, no, you call him John. And when Jesus was born, the, the, the Bible said she shall bring forth a son and you call his name Jesus. Right. Don't call him Joseph. You call him Jesus. Amen. Am I making sense to anybody? Amen. But no, see, because God is God is about to do something here. And verse number 14 says, And thou shalt thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. So, yes, sure, there was will, there were will rejoicing. There were there were there were gladness at the birth of John, because here uh, Elizabeth and Zachariah has been blessed with a baby boy. So they're gonna be rejoicing, there's gonna be gladness at his birth. Verse 15 said, For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. John going to be great in the sight of the Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. So sometimes when God getting ready to do something, you know, I really be great in the eyes of the Lord. I'm not really worried about man. I don't care what man really say a whole lot. Uh-huh. You know, to a certain degree, mm-hmm. I'm concerned. But it, it's not going to, I won't lose no sleep. That's right. Y'all follow what I'm saying? Amen. Don't lose no sleep about what people say about you. Mm-hmm. Some folks lay awake at night. What they said, man, I just don't like what they said about me. I got to get that straightened out. can't straighten everything out. Don't lose a lot of sleep about certain things. Some things, just don't worry about it. Let the Lord fix it. And so here the Lord told uh, Zachariah, this son that you, about, you and uh, Elizabeth is going to have, he's going to be great. Somebody said great. great. In the sight of God. Now, now man may not be so much of John. And we'll find out why as we get later down toward the end here. you find out why a lot of them not going to think so much of John. But in the eyes of God, he's going to be great. Now, who do you want to be great in the eyes of? Man, your neighbor, your friends, your colleagues, coworkers, or God? When you really think about it, people in their right mind, Automatically, you will say, Well, I really want to be great in the eyes of God because He's going to have the last say. Amen. Am I making sense? Yes. If I'm great in the eyes of man, all man can do is pat me on my shoulder. Good job, boy. Good job, man. We really like you. That's all that's all man can give me. Well, He may give me a, a raise, or He might can. Show some kind of earthly favor toward me, but but after this life is all over, man can't do anything for me. So I'll rather be great in the eyes of God, because one day this life as we know it will soon be over. Right. And you and you think about all the stuff that's going on in the world today, it it, it makes us think that it, it might not be long. That's right. But y'all listen to me. It might be long. It may not be long. All this stuff is going on. All the killing. All the robbing. You, every time you turn around, something going on. Amen. Oh. The hearse is rolling. Folks are dying, and, and it seems to be getting worse. And so I realize he said he shall be great in the, in, the, in the sight of the Lord. But notice the rest of that. And shall he shall drink neither wine nor strong drinks. For he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even for, from his mother's womb. So let me tell you something about John. This, this man right here, especially this man is, is is after God's heart. This man, God is sending him uh, into the world through his parents to be a light of the world to, to get things ready for his coming. And so, uh, something special about John, He 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 won't he won't drink. He won't drink neither wine nor strong drink. Now, this is a, a is is a custom in the Old Testament that 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 go way back. there, that, that means that's in authority. Even the kings, the Bible said, you you shouldn't drink strong drinks. You shouldn't drink wine nor strong drink. Why? Because God forbid people that in authority to uh, uh, indulge in alcohol beverages. Like the king, like the governor, like the elected official, they were forbidden to uh, indulge in uh, uh, alcohol beverages because it might affect their judgment. As if, if the king, the, the Old Testament, as I checked the law and the teaching of the Old Testament, it said a, a judge couldn't go into his chamber to judge a matter between a man and a woman if he had one glass of wine because it might affect his judgment in the matter. So we're forbidden. By God, that kings and judges should indulge in alcohol beverages. And that same custom applies today, coming all the way down to us today. The kings, the governor, the, even pastor. I know preachers who drink. I know preachers come to church drunk and get up and preach a sermon drunk. Now, you know his uh, thinking was affected by the alcohol beverages. His judgment, everything was off. Everything was impaired. And, it, and it, God wasn't in it. That's not the way of God. So back to John. So God let Elizabeth and, and Zachariah know that this, this son here, he's special. And uh, he's going to be great in the eyes of God. And, and he's he not going to drink strong drinks uh, wine, nor strong drink. But he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. God is on the inside of him. And notice verse number, number 16. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. John got work to do. See, when, you, when God is using an individual, you have an assignment and work to do, and you can't be controlled uh, or swayed by other things. Amen. Only by God, the Spirit of God going to be in you. When you come down and make your judgments and decision, I can't, I can't be swayed by these things. And so here he said, and because of John, many of the children of Israel they shall turn to the Lord. They're God. They're coming back to God. John had a job to do. John's job was to bring the people back to God. What is the minister's job today? To bring people back to God. What do our world need today? We need to let the world know and let people know. We need to come back to God. So here, here I was saying, my title is a call to repentance. The whole, the whole creation, all of our, our world, our churches, and everybody, elected officials, you know we need to come back to God. A lot's going on. A lot has happened. So much has happened in our world. it's because we have drifted so far from him. Yes. We're so far from him. God is not at all in our plans. He's not at all in our ideas and in our thoughts. And we need to get God back in our thoughts, in our plans, in our, in our decision making. And I'm making sense about anybody. And this was John, John's job to bring the children back to God. And, and many of the children of Israel shall return to the Lord their God, verse number 17. And he shall go forth in the spirit and the power of Elijah to, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. John had a job to bridge folks together. Fathers don't are not in children's life like they should. Have babies out of wedlock everywhere and won't take care of them. John's job was, well, talk to these daddies. Daddy, take care of your family. Children, obey your parents. John's job was to bridge us back together. And so there it is. We see his job. He said to turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John's job was to bring people back together. Preacher's job now should be a, a job of really re, re, uh, 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 reuniting uh, uniting families together. So many folks or families are broken up. I was in a church one time, and I, can, like I said, well, Luke said to, to Theopoly, I'm writing to you because I witness of things, and these things are sure to believe them on. I was in a church one time where the preachers are still bringing family together. He destroyed families. I said, man, I don't understand this. This ain't quite right. I told Sister John, we better get out of here, or we're going to be separated. <laughs> <laughs> we better get out of here. <laughs> Y'all listen to what I'm saying? Yeah. We ain't gonna be together with this man talking. The, the women back then, I, uh, the, the church was big, and then a lot of a lot of members, and a lot of women went to church, and the men stayed home. And sometimes the the preacher taught the women, uh, uh, he, he won't come to church, leave at home, and and really didn't teach the wife. Even though they don't go to church, you still his wife. He may not come to church, but that's your. I mean, he may not come to church, but but that's your husband. Or if the husband came to church and the wife decided not to come, uh, the teaching at the church was, well, leave her at home. She will not want to come to church. Leave her at home. And so instead of building families, he was destroying families. He should have told the man, if your wife don't come to church, she's still your wife. If if the if, if the if the if the man come to church and she, she still your wife if the wife come in the husband no, he's still your husband when you go back home you got a husband at home you just got a husband that don't like church yeah. you just got a husband that don't want to serve or worship God but he's still your husband she's still your wife And so we were actually in a church that were breaking up families and me and my wife and a lot of other members were saying seems like to me he destroying families didn't putting families together you come on to church and leave that old devil at home. Oh, my. I'm going to church, leave that devil at home. So it's you all the devil. I'm going to church, praise the Lord, but I'm going to leave that devil at home. No, it don't quite work like that, y'all. Are y'all listening to me? And so John was to bring families together, bring the husband and the wife together. Look, y'all working out, you may have some problems. Who don't have problems? What relationship don't have problems? Right. In the pastor's job, it was to bring the family back. John was to bring the heart of the father back to the children. All those men that walked away from the family, John's job was to you need to go back home and take care of your children. They're yours. They're yours. Yeah. You brought them here. Mm-hmm. Feed and take care and provide for them. That was John's job. John Job was a call to repentance because the father walked off and left the children. A call to repentance. Come on, go with me just for. So what I'm saying today, we need a call to repentance. Now, in the book of Saint Luke, we're still in the book of Saint Luke. Saint Luke, the 11th uh, chapter, 13th chapter. We've got to move right along, spend a lot of time there. St. Luke the 13th chapter. Jesus, Jesus same thing. He, he hears a call to repentance in the St. Luke the 13th chapter. We we really, really need to ask God, Lord. We need to just ask, Lord, forgive me, forgive me of my sins or things that I've done wrong. Jesus taught a call to repentance right here in St. Luke the 13th chapter, verse number one said, there were present at the season uh, some of the them uh, that told him of the Galilean, Galileans. Uh, who blood pilot had mingled uh with their sacrifice. What's going on here in verse number number one is uh Pilate had killed a bunch of people who murdered a bunch of people who was uh in the temple praying and making their sacrifice, they were murdered. And the, and the, and the same same thing went out in verse number two. And Jesus answered and said unto them, "Suppose you that these Galatians were sinners above all the Galatians, Galatians because they suffered such things?" And so Jesus was telling these people here. Now now now, uh, a pilot murdered a launched a lot of people as they were making a sacrifice. Do you think those people that tragedy? See, sometimes we identify tragedy happened to somebody because they worse off than you. Well, uh, uh, the people over there in Israel uh, got bombed and killed so many. Well, they must have been bad. So we have a we have a knack, a uh, thing associating bad thing happen to people because something ain't right with them. They must have been wrong or God wasn't pleased with them. And so God is telling the people right here. So you think that what Pilate did to those people by murdering them uh, during the sacrifice, do you think those people were worse? Uh, uh, the worst kind of people that were worse than the rest of the Galilean. But Jesus said, he goes on in verse number three, he said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise pay. Those people that lost their lives, they are no worse than you. You know no better than them. People are people. We all the same. We can't connect tragedy to, uh, 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 you know, people being bad. Right, no, we can't do that. But Jesus is calling for repentance. He said, that will happen to them. It happened to them. But I'm going to tell you something. If you all don't repent of your sins, you're going to perish too. Verse number three, he said, I tell you nay. except you repent, you shall all like what perish. Verse four, of those 18 upon which the tower of uh, Salome fell uh, and, and, and slew them, Think either they were uh, uh, sinners above all the men that dwell in Jerusalem. So they're at the tower, uh, the pool of Siloam, uh, the tower, mm-hmm. the tower, history, I read it, checked it out. The tower fell down and killed 18 people there at the pool, mm-hmm. crushed them. And Jesus said, now, do you know that tower fell on those people and killed them? Do you think they were worse than you? No. No, the tower, the two, even when the man came and shot the plane with the planes and ran into the twin towers and and killed so many thousand. What did they say? About two, three thousand people got killed when when those two towers fell. And that was a terrible thing. Do you think those people, they were bad? They were worse than you? No, it's just something to happen. And so Jesus said, those 18 that were killed at the pool when the, when the tower fell on them, do you think they were any worse sinners than the rest of the sinners that's in Jerusalem? Sinners are just sinners. It's just something that happened. And he said it again, verse number five. But I tell you, there no, they wasn't no worship nobody else. But except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So here's Jesus is calling a call for repentance for all God's people. Everybody, men, women, boys, and girls, there's a call to repentance. We all need to come to God humbly and ask the Lord to forgive us of our sin and, and that we might re, re rejoin Him or have a reunion, and get back to God. So, so sinner, there are no sinners any more or less than other sinners. Sinners are just sinners. Am I making sense in the Bible. Sense. Well, I might do wrong, but I didn't do what he did. It don't matter. A sinner's just a sinner. That's right. Well, I, I I might do some wrong. Well, at least I, I don't drink. I don't smoke. We still going to hell. Mm-hmm. It don't matter. You may as well drink and smoke if you don't accept God. The one drinking smoke going to hell, and the one that don't drink and smoke going. If we don't accept God, what's the difference? No- and that was Jesus saying, it ain't no different. If we don't accept God, it don't matter what you do. That's right. Will you drink or smoke or not? So Jesus said if you repent you are all going like likewise to perish I'm I making sense up in here. Let's go just a little bit further here y'all. Now, I'm I'm almost done. I'm going to skip one verse. Uh turn me right to the book of uh 2 Corinthians. So so there's very 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 there, there's a, a need for uh repentance in the land of the day. I know preachers don't stress that today. They 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 prophesy about Uh, material thing God gonna bless you with a beautiful home God gonna bless you with a, a nice car God gonna send you money in the mail all those those things are good but you know what God God got a plan for us to get those things those things gonna happen to you anyway if you love God and serve him but Ministry ministers have built ministries on blessings and blessing plans and all that kind of stuff. Oh, God gonna bless you! God gonna bless! God ain't look. God gonna do more than bless. And I'm not saying don't don't look for God to bless you with things. I'm not saying that at all. Don't. I want you to know that God gonna take care of His own. But you know what? There's a call to repentance, and it's something the preacher's not saying in the pulpit today that men and women should repent. Right. And repentance only means a change. Right. Change our life, yes. change our ways. That's all it means. They're not preaching people should change. Just come on to church, be who you are, do what you do. Just come to church and pay your money and go back home, but just that's it. But God is calling for repentance. Am I making sense? Yes. He called for repentance. He called me to change my ways. Right. Now look at look at what Paul said here in, in uh, Second Corinthians, uh, Second chapter, Second Corinthians seven. Second Corinthians seven is very interesting. Then I got one more. I'm gonna let you go. 2 Corinthians 7 verse 1. He said, therefore having these promises dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what Paul is telling the, the Corinthian people, he said, having all these promises, the promises are, are in God. Mm-hmm. Whatever you need is in the word. Uh, I, I, I remember some time ago they said there was over 500 promises in the word of God for us. Over 500. So he said now having these promises made to us then let us cleanse ourselves. See people want the promises but they don't want to do anything. We just want the promise. Just promise me, promise me, promise me. God made us a promise but God is requiring something out of you because he made you that promise. Okay I promise I'm going to take care of you and your family. Now what you going to do for me? Well, uh, I don't know. I've not really thought about it. I'm going I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going to help you to pay your bills. I'm going to help you to pay your mortgage. I'm going to help you take care of your family. That's what God promised us. He promised provision for us. God going to be I'm going to be a provider for you, Thomas. Now what are you going to do for me? Well, I don't know. I don't know. He wants something in return. He wants you to love him. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to give your life to him. Am I making sense to anybody in here? It's it's, it's not hard. So he's having these promises, dearly beloved. Let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flood. Because I have these these promises, it it, it behooves me, it's it's important to me that I, I, I clean up my life. And I can't do it by myself, Lord i clean it up if you help me because I really don't know how to clean it up. Yeah. I stop going places you don't want me to go, but you got to even help me with those desires mm-hmm. because every time I turn around, it's calling me, and so I can't stop if you if you don't help me, but he said, I'm willing to help you with that. Just as long as you got a mind, I'll help you with your desires. You know God is good. Yeah. He is real good. He'll help you with your desires. Sometimes our desires are uncontrollable. Right. I had uncontrollable desires. Yeah. I can't tell you all what they are this morning. Right. <laughs> but I had desires to get me up out of bed and get in the car and go for a drive. Yeah. That's as far as I can go. God helped me with that. As yeah. far as I can go right there, Tasha, you got to leave right there. <laughs> I go further than that, you'll look at me sideways. I can't go no further than that. But God helped me with that. And he helped you with yours. Y'all listening to me? Okay, now he said now, having therefore leave thee promise of dear beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the fist of the flesh and spirit, perfecting and holiness in the fear of God. Verse number two says, he receive us. Paul's telling the Corinthian, he said, receive us, for we have we have wronged no man. We, we, haven't, we haven't wronged anybody. We haven't wronged no man. We have corrupt no man. We haven't defrauded any man. So he encouraged in the Corinthian, receive us, receive our teaching, receive my preaching. Why people won't receive the, the word of God? Why why you won't receive what we bring to you from God? We haven't wronged anybody. We haven't corrupted anybody. We haven't taken advantage of anybody. I haven't taken nobody's money. I give them money. Mm-hmm. I try to, I'll give everybody I can. I ain't took nobody's money. I ain't wrong nobody. I ain't corrupt nobody. You know, some people, they'll corrupt you. They'll teach you bad habits. I ain't no, I don't need nobody to teach me how to cut up. I n- I know how to cut up. So ain't nobody, and, and I'm encourage you. Don't let nobody corrupt you and 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 teach you behalf You 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 want to smoke? Man, I don't need you. Don't be offering me that stuff. I got I got enough troubles. I was working on a car one day. I told y'all that I was working on a car one day. We stand out the freight, putting brake pads on. Dude next door come out smoking the joint. He stood up there. What you doing, man? I said, I'm changing these brake pads. He's smoking dope. He said, You want some? I so, said, man, no. I got my own problems. Don't you bring that stuff over here to me. Some people, they'll corrupt you. And so Paul said right here, he said, uh, uh, receive us. We wrong no man. We have corrupt no man. We haven't defraud anybody. Receive us. And so today, I, I encourage you all today to re- receive the teaching of the Lord. Receive God's instruction. Amen. Because... We lived a good life in front of you. We did that. In verse 3 said, I speak not this to condemn you for I have said before that you are our hearts to die and to live with you. We love you so much because you're God's people. Verse number four said, "Great is my bonus of speech toward you; great is my my glory in of you." And I am filled with comfort; I am um, exceedingly joyful in our tribulation. So Paul is stressing how he really feels about the people of God. If you only know when you, when you got a a, a man of God or leader that really cares for you, that all do something for you right there. I'm gonna tell you, so many preachers don't care nothing about you. All they want is you put that dollar in that offering. You can go on back out the door. I don't care how you live. I don't care what you do. You just bring that money. But 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 a real man of God, it go further than that. I'm not concerned She's just concerned about your money. I'm really concerned about you. How you doing? Y'all y'all remember the lady on TV on the little talk show, and she would say, "How you doing? How you doing?" <laughs> y'all remember that? Look at look at Tammy Tammy uh, Ray. That's it, right? Tammy Ray how you doing? How you doing? Did I, did I say it right? <laughs> huh? Uh, winter, when? You should say that. How you doing, Sister Johnson? Do how you doing, tasha <laughs> <laughs> All right. How you doing? Yeah. How you doing? Now, let's go a little bit further here. Now, uh, Verse number four, great is my bold uh, uh, speech toward you. Great is my glorying of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding joy in all our tribulation. Verse number five, for when I come when I, when I come into Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. But we were troubled on every side uh, without was fighting. We, we can attest to that. And within uh, were fears. Verse six says: nevertheless, God, that comfort those that are cast down, comfort us by the coming of Titus. And not by his coming only, but by the consolation wherewith he uh, was comforted in you, when when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your f- your fervent mind toward me, so that I rejoice the more. Verse number eight. For though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Now this is this is key here. So he called the people to repentance. This is what the preaching of the gospel is all about. He said, for though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. I don't apologize for it. So I cannot apologize for what I said to you in this letter or what I preach on Sunday morning. I do not repent. Though I did repent, I did somewhat repent, for I received that the same epistle had made you sorry, though it were but for Caesar. So Paul said, my, my letter I sent to you made you sorry, and it, it made you sorry for a season. It shouldn't make you sorry for a season. It should make you sorry for a lifetime. Amen. Are y'all listening to me? You can come in church and a man of God, a preacher, and get up and give you a sermon and tell you to do's and don'ts what God really wants you to do and how God wanna wanna bless you and what God have for you to do. And some people they'll leave and and, and they'll be sorry for a season. But it won't be long. They'll start, they'll start right back at the old ways. Now let's go further. I'm almost done. Just a little bit more. Bear with me. So uh you they were sorry for a season. Verse number nine. Uh though I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you that you sorry to repentance. And for ye were made sorry after a godly manner that ye might receive damage by us in nothing. So Paul said, I'm rejoicing that you you you, you were sorry. Oh, oh. And that you were sorry unto the repentance in other words what, the, what I preached to you it made it made you think about some things it, it, it put something on your mind and that's what the gospel is all about anyway uh, and, and Paul said I'm glad that my preaching and teaching made you sorry so sorry it promoted repentance it made you say Lord forgive me I shouldn't have acted that way Lord forgive me I shouldn't have said those things that I said Lord forgive me I want to be a better person so if, if If my preaching don't make you feel sorry and lead sorry to repentance, then then I'm not doing anything. And so the preaching and teaching that men and women preachers are doing today, it don't make people think about what they're doing. And so he said. Now he said, "But but you sorry to repent them, for ye were made sorry after a godly mount." That's what it's all about. The gospel is all about to make you feel sorry after a godly mount, that you might receive might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorry work repentance to salvation to salvation. Not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world work his death. And so, what Paul is saying in this letter here, this is called repentance. He wrote them a letter, they read the letter, and when they read what Paul had written, it made them feel sorry for a season, but it should have made them feel sorry for a lifetime. I pray that my preaching and teaching put something on your mind this morning. Yes, yes, last Sunday and Sunday before then. It's all about putting something on your mind. Uh, give me something to think about. I want you to think about this thing. Don't not just come and say, and well, I was at church Sunday, and you never think about what we talked about today no more. It don't even cross your mind the things that we went over. It don't even trouble you. You just go on and continue as you are. Go on and continue in your in your old ways and what what you heard and what you learned. Well, 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 well it, it does no good. But Paul said, "I'm glad that I made you sorry in 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 purposely." And, and I I agree. My preaching and teaching. Is not to just throw somebody under the bus, or not to just expose somebody and, and embarrass you in, in front of the congregation. No, that's not it at all. But my preaching is to make you feel sorry unto repentance. Amen. It is for that. That's the truth. Am I making sense to anybody? Amen. This is called to repentance. Mm-hmm. This is that was John the Baptist's job to make the fathers feel bad for forsaking them children. Make them go back home. Make the children uh, be obedient to the parents. That was his job. Make us be family again. And that's what's all messed up. We need to be family again. Yes. We're so far apart. Mm-hmm. Call to repentance. In my last scripture, I'm going to let you go. Isaiah. Isaiah 58. I'm going to show you my job. Isaiah 58. Check this out. Call to repentance. Y'all got it? Isaiah 58 chapter, verse number one. Here's what God told the prophet Isaiah. God told the prophet Isaiah. These words, he said, Isaiah. Here's what I want you to do: call a pen, repent a a, a, a call to repent of. He said, Cry loud, and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sin. This is a pastor job. This is the teacher job. This is your spiritual advisor job. Is to cry out. You know, you got to make a noise. I can't be silent about everything. Oh, he messing with me today. He all in my Kool-Aid. Sometimes I got to get in your Kool-Aid. If I don't ever get in your Kool-Aid, I ain't going to never help you as a person. You'll never grow spiritually. I ain't going to bother you every Sunday. But I got to bother you sometimes. Sometimes I got to get in two Kool-Aid. I heard one preacher say he was a great preacher, big church, thousands of vote. Y'all know him. Y'all know him. Pastor Bountiful Blessing. He died and going home, Bishop G.E. Patterson. And he used to preach all the time. He said, some preachers they go in the bedroom. But I ain't going in the bedroom. I ain't going in there. Well, if the Bible tells you go in the bedroom, you got to go in the bedroom. But he said he wasn't going, he wasn't going to go in the bedroom with his preaching and teaching. He said, I'm just not gonna do it. But the Bible, what the Bible, what the word of God said? Cry out loud and spare not. Uh uh, he said, show my people. Y'all see what that show my people that are Look, we as a as a man of God, your spiritual vibe, sometimes I gotta go in the bedroom. I gotta go in your bedroom and tell you you shouldn't have your back facing the wall and he turned the other way. Y'all ain't even acting like a couple no more. What's going on up in here? And he said, I ain't going in the bedroom. Look, the word of God go in the bedroom. You need to turn and face him, and he need to turn and face y'all. Go on, kiss. And make up. And get it on. That's far as I can go. That's far as I can go. I can't go no further than that. And so so the word of God, we have to cry loud and spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet and show my people. This was John the Baptist's job to show the people. Y'all see what I'm saying? I got to show you. With the Lord in my heart, I got to show you something. I ain't going to bother you every Sunday about the same old thing. I just ain't going to do it. But sometime, I'm going to have to get on in there and show you something. What the Lord has said. That was John's job. Tell the daddy, turn the hearts of the father back to the children hearts cheering to, to the fathers that we all be family again. That's what it's all about. Too many families are not acting like families. Give the Lord a hand praise. something through right there. A call to repentance. God bless you. I hope I said something that encouraged your heart today. Thanks Pastor Johnson for another amazing message. Make sure to join us next week for an all new episode of the Upper Room Church Podcast. Until then, remember, encounter Jesus, echo hope, and dwell in love.